Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth NFL podcast. I'm Anish Gupta. I'm Shrikar Rajendran. And today we're back for another episode. I mean, not as much as the last two weeks. It's kind of died down because, you know, the NFL offseason, as great as it has been, the height of it has been, you know, the last like two weeks. And we got a little bit to recap. Uh, obviously, again, every time we record the next day, something big happens. It always <laughs> and, happens uh, every time. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm telling you, it all- or when I sleep in. So speaking of the day I slept in, I got up at like 12 p.m. and I got like a bunch of notifications that Tyreek Hill uh, got traded to the Miami Dolphins. So obviously that's going to be our first topic. Um, yeah, so Tyreek Hill got traded, a star wide receiver that literally nobody even pictured coming into the offseason would be shipped off. But like apparently I think 7 a.m. our time, so it's like 10 uh, a.m. Eastern, they started uh, having contract stalls with the whole talks with Tyreek's camp and the Chiefs. And then eventually they said, okay, we're going to let Tyreek seek a trade, right? And then it became down to the Jets and the Dolphins. The Jets had like a package of like a second, a fourth, and a sixth or something. And that was initially in place. Then Miami swooped in. And then Tyreek obviously wanted to go to Miami. So then Miami swooped in with an even better package of, I got it right next to me, a 2022 first, a 2022 second, uh, a 2022 fourth, and I think a next year's fourth and a next year's sixth. So it's a total of five picks for, for, for a, honestly, a slot receiver. Like, like I'm not, I'm not, no hating on Tyreek. Tyreek is a top five talent, but I did see a couple videos on this and maybe I'll wait to give my thoughts. I'll let Tree go first, but yeah, so they gave him all those five picks for Tyreek, just Tyreek Hill, and then Miami gives him a four-year, 120 mil extension. You're paying $30 million a year for a wide receiver. So obviously, based on the on my tone, you can tell I'm not that adamant about the deal, uh, but I'll let maybe Shrikar give his thoughts first. Yeah, I mean, just to recap this offseason for Miami, I mean, two straight winning seasons, zero playoff berths. Miami decided to hit reset. Um, and this offseason, the Dolphins replaced Brian Flores with Mike McDaniel at head coach. And of course, McDaniel, he's a former offensive assistant from San Francisco. I thought it was a good hire. After years of building with, you know, more so building on defense, you look at Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Cal Van Noy. Chris Greer has really gone heavy on offense, of course, the, with this trade and the following $120 million extension they gave him, along with Teron Armstead's five year signing. So they're really going in on offense. You got uh, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, presumably on the outside. I know Hill's going to get some slot work. Maybe Waddle too. They'll put they'll put Waddle in the slot and they'll put Parker on the yeah, outside. Yeah, and then you got Raheem Mostert, Mike Gesicki. I mean, the Dolphins have a lot of weapons, um, and the offensive line has also been substantially upgraded with both. You know, as I mentioned before, Teron Armstead, and they also brought in Connor Williams. He's coming over from the Cowboys. You can't beat around the fact that Miami has literally done everything. To help Tua Tunga by Loa succeed. And now he <laughs> literally has to. You got two first round picks next year. So if Tunga by Loa is still, you know, average, Greer could easily move on. Um, obviously, next year's quarterback class is going to be really good. Um, so basically, you just decline his option or you can exercise it and then trade him, maybe get something back. Because to this point, he has played in 23 games and thrown for 4,467 yards with 27 touchdowns and 15 interceptions, and he's averaging 6.6 yards per attempt. That's not good enough, but look, he hasn't had much support. So regardless of your stance on Tua, I think the reality of it all is if he's not significantly improved this year, 
Miami's going to actively seek an upgrade. But if he does step up, though, it's going to be a fascinating situation to watch because the Dolphins, you know, at that point, now you're forced to consider an extension in Tua's first year of eligibility. And, you know, with the way the quarterback market is swinging right now, who knows what that contract could look like? And it's going to be a very sticky situation for them. Um, so it's going to be interesting, but, you know, zero excuses for Tua right now. I wish Jack was here because he's going to I I would have loved to hear him scoff as I'm about to do. I'm going to defend Tua here and I would I know what he would he would have been like, "Oh, here we go again, public defender number 1." But I actually am going to defend Tua here. Uh first and foremost, look, Tyreek Hill is a great player and I think he's a top 5 receiver in the league, no doubt, but to pay 30 mil annually for a receiver doesn't sit right with me. Um also for the fact that like it's it's just you receivers are a dime a dozen and i know i know there are like maybe five guys in the nfl right now that just hands down are in a separate class of their own and obviously he's one of them but i mean we're seeing it right like we just saw two receivers who can be in your top 10 and i wouldn't even be mad at you and jamar chase and jalen waddle come out of a loaded receiver like there's a loaded receiver class every year it's such a common position so i get i get getting him like it is a great upgrade just the contract. I mean, 30 mil and you're, you know, putting him for four years. That's a lot. I, I, I don't know. The contract doesn't really sit right with me. And I think the chiefs got a really good package back because here's the thing they're preparing long-term, right? Because you can put another receiver with Patrick Mahomes as, as you know, as much as people are going to say, Oh, let's see him without Tyreek Hill. He's averaged 330 yards passing without him. And, and also you've got, you've got Juju and MBS and he, yeah, can I mean, yeah, like Juju's not a number one. I've said this you know, for years now, and obviously he's still yet to prove it. Even on, he got two chances now, two chances to do that, and he couldn't. So he's not a number one, and the Chiefs now have two first-round picks to at least do something with it, right? Uh, but I do disagree about the Dolphins going into a rebuild, like because, as you said, they have no, two first-round picks. Not a picks. rebuild. I mean, they just reset at head coach. Or, yeah, reset. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, because here's the thing, right? Greer is being aggressive. Like, that, that's, I guess it's that's how you can sum up the Dolphins. I don't like the right side of their line, but... Here's my thing with Tua. This is definitely because of the media and because of all the narrative. Yes, this is his literal make or break year. If he doesn't do anything, I can almost guarantee it pen to paper that he will not be the Dolphins quarterback next year if he doesn't get it done. And here's, I think, what I mean by getting it done. Make the playoffs. That's like two winning seasons and no playoff berths is so weird to me, right? So make the playoffs and let's see what you do from there. Because if he does and he has a good season, right? I think that's what the expectation should be for Tua. Not to win a Super Bowl, because frankly, I think the Dolphins even know that this roster is not good enough to, you know, get them to a Super Bowl. But th- this receiver, this group of receivers is by far the best Tua's ever had. And it's really similar to what he had at Alabama. Two speedy guys, right? Uh, Rugs. And I know, I mean, Smith wasn't really a speed guy, but him in the slot was just absolutely lethal. So I think to, the whole narrative that Tua can't push the ball down the field Here's what I'll say. Jalen Waddle, when he started to break out towards the middle to end of the season, Tua had the highest completion percentage of any QB. So it's not like Tua didn't elevate with him. So um, I think this is obviously the make or break year for Tua. I think he's still he's still got a shot. I'm not going to say there's no chance he doesn't do anything. And I'm not going to call him a bad quarterback. I think finally the Dolphins have given him faith. There's no Watson rumors any longer, right? This is his team. This is his uh, situation. And let him run with it. And then for the Chiefs, again, right, the package that they got back, they're preparing long-term. They're not, they're not uh, getting, how do I say this, like tightened up by money. 
right? Because you already have the Mahomes contract and now you don't have to pay Tyreek Hill. Probably going to get a receiver in the draft for pretty cheap, right? I like that a lot better for Kansas City. Right, and I wanted to expand on that, the Chiefs wide receiver room. Because in Juju, you know, you got a versatile talent underneath on the perimeter. You know, he's got yak ability, which is great for the Chiefs offense and what Andy Reid likes to do. MVS, you know, he's a deep threat. Maybe he can still create um, space for Travis Kelsey, for Juju. You know, it could still work, um, but they're not done. They're not done at receiver. They're going to get one with one of their top picks. They're probably going to get, you know, one or two more in the draft. But... This is this is definitely going to be interesting to see how this Chiefs offense functions without a guy like Tyreek Hill in their offense. Like for as much as we can say, oh, he's a top five receiver, but was he worth the contract? Like without him in their offense, it's going to look pretty different. And I'm pretty intrigued to see how it ends up being because, you know, I think he adds a facet to their game that, you know, a guy like MVS, a guy like, you know, Juju will not replicate. Yeah, and also let's talk about like, you know, Tyreek Hill because it's like, I think there's a difference in 40-yard dash speed and game speed. Like, because it's one thing to run a 4-2-5, right, in in no pads and then run that fast with them on, right? It's a completely different thing, you know, people who've played the sport or played any padded sports will understand that. And Tyreek Hill, I think he ran a 4-2-9 at the Combine, right? But his game speed, I think he's the fastest player in football. Yeah, like, like with pads on, it's, it's without a doubt. So... I think that's a big, big thing for Tua just because, you know, maybe, maybe fine. Schematically, he won't be asked to run the same type of routes that Mahomes was. And maybe he won't be able to run like, you know, 30 yard down the field across the sidelines of Mahomes rolling out and then just throws it cross body. Yeah, obviously Tua is not going to be able to do that because of the hip. But uh, for him to take a bubble screen and take it to the house, if anyone can do that, it's Tyreek Hill. So it's all yeah. Yeah, it, it'll definitely help. I mean, because they're going to run a spread offense. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle in a spread offense is going to be crazy. Like, I, I'm so excited for that. I think that's going to be lethal. Um, and not to mention, right, for the Chiefs, like, you're you're not really that scared now of Mahomes rolling out. Because, look, as good as, you know, as fast as MVS is, he's no Tyreek Hill, exactly. right? Like Exactly. Yeah, so I don't know if you remember the play against Cleveland where, remember, he's rolling out and he just, like, finds – Tyreek for a touchdown like he's right and this we've seen this so many times against the Chargers uh a year ago uh Herbert's first game right like we see this against the Ravens remember Mahomes first year as a starter the mm-hmm. whole thing fourth and 12 like he's done this so many times he in the Super Bowl, Washington yeah like he they've done it so many times it's the same thing but now that that element is not necessarily there um so that's one thing I also want to say this and I think you know this is probably my biggest takeaway from one of the biggest takeaways from the off season, the Devonte Adams deal, right. For the Raiders, the biggest consequence is this Tyreek Hill trade. I agree. And I also going to receiver- say that the Adams contract is directly the reason why the negotiation stalled. Exactly. Them. Right. Because then Tyreek's like, okay, I'm, I'm as talented as Adams. And honestly, he does have a case like Tyreek Hill. Fine. You can put him in, you can maybe put Devonte in a slight class above, but they're both top five. And you're, you're right. Right. For him to get 28 mil annually. Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously this is a back or a by part of D hops, 27 mil annually, because that was seven mil above. But right. then Tyreek says, Hey, look at what Adams is getting. Right. And now I want to get some of that too. Chiefs couldn't do it. Then they trade him. And now that shakes up the whole AFC West, right? As well as the entire AFC. So I think that's a bigger implication. Also the receiver market. Like, let's just, I mean, you know, for example, right? Amari Cooper is making 20 mil to and got traded for a fifth round pick. Tyreek just got five picks. Five picks garnered for him, right? Not to mention that 
MVS, if I had told you five years ago that a player of MVS's caliber is making 10 mil annually, you would have laughed in my face. Not even mentioning the Christian Kirk deal. Yeah, I, I can't even fathom the fact that, like, okay, Christian Kirk at least has some upside. I'm okay, sorry. No 21 mil? Yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying, right? I, like, you're giving 21 mil to Christian Kirk, and you're giving 10 mil to MVS. No disrespect. I'm really, I don't mean it. But this guy's like a wide receiver three, wide receiver four. And you're giving him 10 mil annually? Like, that that's unheard of, right? Mm-hmm. At this day and age, I guess it is. But yeah, the market is increasing way too much at the wrong positions. Like, for example, why the hell is nickel corner still massively underpaid? From a football standpoint, it is the second hardest position to play in football. Mm-hmm. And sure, my brother's a DB, so I get I have a little bit of bias in it. But still, really, it's like, you know, again, more schematics here. But you got to play like a weak side linebacker. You got to if you give inside or outside leverage, you're literally screwed. Like, I think the NFL is going in the wrong direction. And it is because it's an offensively driven league. So I'm not surprised. Yep. The wrong positions are getting way too much money, and that's what's costing teams. And I said it at, right when Devontae Adams, you know, when the contract details got released, I was saying, you know, he's making top 10 QB money. And that's just, it's not ridiculous to me considering, you know, he's, you know, one of the leaders in the league, but yeah. that's a lot, you know, like that's a lot. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how the receiver market plays out. Yeah, agreed. I think the receiver market is just, again, like said earlier. On a downward spiral, not not in the best way, but obviously good for the players that are getting money. Uh, now to kind of switch it over, uh, on Friday at around 10 a.m. our time, uh, the Browns held the press conference for Deshaun Watson. Uh, obviously, Kevin Stefanski, our head coach, Andrew Barry, our GM, and Deshaun Watson, our new quarterback, were there to answer questions for about 30 minutes. Uh, I believe both of us watched the full interview. I watched it live. I was pretty excited to hear it. Uh, obviously, you know, some were kind of mad slash shocked that owner Jimmy Haslam was not there. Uh, but you know, I'll let you maybe start off. What were your initial reactions? Anything that stood out, anything out of the ordinary, anything you didn't like, what did you do? Like, take it away. I was actually just, I don't have many thoughts on it, but I was actually going to hone in on the Haslam's because if you watched that press conference on Friday, you, you would have noticed, you know significant absences and somehow despite acquiring a quarterback with 22 civil suits against him d and jimmy haslam the browns owners were absent from the in-person press conference held by the team they only managed a zoom conference hours later instead of being there with watson at the podium now if you're wondering why that matters it's for two reasons it's perspective for one and it's also you know accountability because nobody knows like what Watson's future holds. I mean, two grand juries have dismissed 10 criminal complaints in the past few weeks. The civil suits are still pending. You know, we're going to see. That said, the Haslam's brought a controversial figure to Cleveland. There is no denying it. And they should have answered questions alongside Watson, Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry. They failed to do so. And I guess the point I'm trying to get at is what the Haslam's did was they allowed other people to answer the tough questions. And I think, you know, that's not a very good look on their part. So I guess that's just my main takeaway from that press conference. Well, obviously, I mean, yeah, I I agree with you there. And just in the case that, yeah, they should have been there. I thought, I thought it would have been, you know, would have been proper etiquette to be there, especially because you used your own plane to fly out, right? You're spending your own money and resources to try and get this guy into Cleveland. And obviously it succeeded, but you should be there 
to kind of not take accountability, I should say, but, you know, show up and represent what you did, right? So I guess, yeah, that is part of accountability. Here's what I'll say regarding the presser, though. Um, I thought, as a Browns fan, here's what I would say, right? It felt more like a like a trial than it was an actual, you know, exciting press card. Like, literally 2% of the questions were about football. And that really irked me just because it's like, the reporters asked the same question 11 different ways. And also, what the hell are you supposed to expect him to say? Right? I mean, he can't win in any, like, I'm not defending what he's doing. I'm not saying he's innocent or guilty, but everything he'll say is literally going to be used against him in some way, shape, or form. He was pretty adamant on his stance, right? He said, okay, I've never uh, disrespected or abused any woman. Now, people said that he shouldn't have said anything about it, but then people are going to get mad for him not taking a stance. They're going to assume he's guilty if he's not, you know, saying that adamantly. And then when he does say something like that, people are like, oh, you know, leave it to the courts. Why are you saying it right now? Right. It's just, it's a really, it's a lose-lose situation and it sucks that he's in it, right? Regardless of innocence or guilty, right? I mean, I think we should wait before we do anything with Deshaun Watson, right? Before we, you know, indict him or kind of criticize him in any way. I just think it, it really sucks in that sense. Uh, I thought Andrew Barry handled the questions amazingly. Like, man, he's an amazing general manager. Uh, And I also had a second thought about the whole question about why they didn't go to the 22 uh, uh, women as well as the lawyer. And this is actually a really good point that Shannon Sharp kind of brought, but I'm going to add on to it. Okay. If they had gone in their investigation, right, if they had gone to the woman and to the lawyer, right? And then they sign or, and then they get Deshaun Watson, that's tampering with the case. And they also become part of Deshaun Watson's representation. So that's, that's bad that because then, then you're part of his camp in the sense. And if the trial continues, right. And you signed him during a, in, you know, investigation, that's a bad look, uh, because you know, that could be tampering with the case itself. So I actually, I mean, that makes sense. Like, I think that's a good point that people should recognize, right? On why they didn't go specifically and directly to the woman and the, you know, lawyer themselves. But he, like, but here's the thing, right? It, it's also not right that they, they should have, but you can't really, you know, it's like- I'll, I'll, address, I'll address both, you know, your points about the media and also this. I think with the media, it's like, this is this is what, if if you bring someone- with that much controversy controversy into a room you're not going to get football questions i feel like that should that just should have been expected and to your point i mean he did handle it pretty well for what he was given but i just don't see how you can go in and expect yourself to get football questions when you bring in a guy with all those civil suits against him so there's that and for your second point for as much as you know Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski said they did due diligence. I don't think it meant, you know, talking to the 22 women. I expected only, you know. Well, they didn't. Talk- they they No, they didn't. They didn't. But I think they only should have talked to Busby. I It doesn't. I don't think that tampers with the case, really. Because I think if you just talk to that side before, you know, making the trade, I, See, I don't. But then, but what, what can you ask? Like, you're just going to ask him, right? Like, you, you if, because then you're going to get into specifics of the gain, case. You can at least gain some clarity. Because I mean, it's just going to be. How but, big of an investment this No, is. but then it goes, then it goes back to what, like he said, right? What he said versus what Deshaun's lawyer is saying, right? Then it just goes back and forth what he said, she said, because obviously the lawyer. But it's oh, good to hear from both sides. 
hear what the, it's it's just going to be a you know what they're already going to say and they're probably going to reiterate the same thing that they're telling to the media because they can't go into details with lawyers that aren't involved directly involved with the case that like i that is a really valid point and also right going back like for if you guys do want football questions answered by deshaun because here's the thing the reason why it was mostly these type of questions because it's the first time the nfl media has heard him speak in over a year Right, because people are not going to watch some CBS, ABC Seven news station where Deshaun got asked by like political media, right? Like that—that that was the only other time. And then he finally got an NFL press conference. That's obviously what the NFL media is going to see. Uh, he had an exclusive interview with one of the Browns staff. Uh, it was about eight minutes long. That's a good video to watch uh, if you know if you guys want to hear more about what Deshaun has to say. Because now he's fine. he's spoken three times in the last week. So, I mean, at least he's getting you know you're hearing more from him. Uh, and again, yeah, the, the case still needs to be, the 22 suits still need to be solved. We don't know what his punishment is going to be yet. Um, but again, I'll iterate it one more time from a football perspective. He's still, you know, a really good addition. Uh, and for those who are concerned about the year off, let's not forget people tear their ACLs and come back and still play at a peak level. Joe Burrow tore his ACL. So basically Watson just went through it. Huh? Deshaun Watson did. Yeah, Deshaun Watson's also torn his ACL and come back at a higher level, right? So it's it's like he just took 12 months off with no injury. So if anything, that's like better because he doesn't have to rehab. Um, so I'm not too worried about how he's going to come back and play. Still think he's a top, you know, seven quarterback. Um, but yeah, regarding the presser, again, call it how you want. There's a lot of lose-lose situations in there. A lot of stuff that is just, it's, it's really murky right it's like it's like it's like mud water or something it's stuff that <laughs> like, we can't really just, touch on too much as you know yeah it's it's just not not a clear clear cut you know form mm-hmm. of answers that we can give or that i guess the media can give right like a lot of i guess so mm-hmm. yeah so maybe you want to switch it up to uh our next segment which is jimmy g and baker mm-hmm. a little uh, bit little i mean it's like it, it, it we talked about it last week but i mean the fact that we've gone another week where these two quarterbacks who are starting caliber top 20 QBs still on the market, right? And nobody has gunned for them, each with their own separate reasons, right? Jimmy has the so- shoulder surgery and he won't be able to throw for another month or so. Um, and then Baker Mayfield with the contract, right? Yeah. Uh, also, some concerns about him being a child. I don't think that's enough to, you know, ward him of not starting, but the contract does make sense 19 mil. Um, but I mean, what, what do you think? You think the markets have closed? You think there's still a chance both get traded? What, I mean, what do you think? I mean, we could be waiting into the early summer for these, uh, QB trades, both the Niners and Browns. I mean, as I said, they might be waiting until after the draft to send Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield elsewhere in San Francisco's case. I, they just waited too long. They waited too long to deal Jimmy. He was, he was a better option than Carson Wentz in my opinion. And of course, Wentz was traded before the new league year. And as for Cleveland, they couldn't get rid of Mayfield until Watson agreed to come over. So Andrew Barry was in a trickier spot, but he needs to move Mayfield. And I honestly, I think he's going to be lucky to get a day two pick. I It's going to be tough. Ultimately, I think both guys are going to go to teams who strike out in the draft. You look at the Seahawks, the Falcons, the Panthers, they all need quarterbacks. They all have top 10 picks. Whoever walks away without, you know, a Malik Willis, a Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, they're eventually going to be open to dealing. And I think that's the angle both teams are going to be taking. But even then, both teams lost leverage. And I don't think they're going to be getting huge returns. So just an update there. 
Um, we could be waiting a while before these guys get traded. Yeah, I mean, John Lynch said he was happy with the QB room he had. He should be because he still has uh, number 10, who's the best quarterback in that room. <laughs> so I, I, it's my weekly shot at Trey Lance. But look, I don't hate the guy. Um, but in regards to Baker, I think someone said, I think Joe Thomas, yeah, Joe Thomas was the one who said he overplayed his hand. And I completely agree, right? Because when you make that closing letter to the Browns fans, right, you you make it seem like you want out and then every the leverage is there now, right? Because the teams know that he has to go. Because here's the thing, the Browns could have kept him and they still can. They still have 26 million cap. They're the second highest cap space in the league. They can still keep him. They don't have to let him go. He can just hold out, right? So, and here's the thing, they can wait and teams that I think, I think Baker has lost the most leverage. He has no place where he can want to go, right? The Browns can ship him anywhere they want, right? And now that he's requested this trade, right? The Browns don't really have to do right by him. What's which the sucks point in as keeping a, him for the Browns? Huh? What's the point in keeping him for the Browns? You have Jacoby Brissett behind him. Yeah, but you have, I'm, but now in the sense, right? You can play hardball with other teams because teams are thinking right now, oh, they have to let him go. We can give him a fourth. We can wait for them to cut him. Why cut him? Why? Because then you know you're not getting anything back. But if you can keep him, right? Keep him for a little bit while, and then you trade Bay. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they will. This is just a thought of mine, right? But if you keep him, wait a year, then you trade a guy who's fresh, freshly, you know, no deal. I feel you like can- waiting a year will make teams, you know, a little bit less interested, if anything. I disagree. I think you get a guy who because who- he's not going to get play time. It's like. I mean, he's still young. He's only going to be 27, and also he'll be on a. He won't. He won't garner a 35 mil uh, extension because if you get him now and he plays well, then you're going to have to pay him 35. You get him next year, you can easily slap him with like next a veteran year, minimum type of contract. Well. well, if you get him next year and he plays well, he's under contract. And in many ways, he's under contract. You'll probably sign him for like a two year. Like I think Trubisky got a two year deal, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I, or three years, three years, something was like two. that. Was two. Yeah. So um, I mean that that was just a thought of mine, and like because here the Browns still have leverage in this. Uh, I I. I I really doubt they cut him because if like the Browns cannot live in a situation where Baker is cut and goes to Pittsburgh. I, I just don't see any way that the Browns would let that happen. I think they, they have to trade him in some, some way, shape or form. I, I think. With how the market's going, I we're going to be waiting a while. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. So transitioning to our final segment of the day, we're going to do a little bit of projecting because finally, you know, we can maybe start to look forward for a 2022 season. Uh, And as I'm going to say that probably another star, you know, running back is going to get traded or something. (laughs) Um, We're going to do each of us are going to give one team that we think is going to rise in the standings or, you know, just take a little leap next season. And then one team that's going to potentially fall back and take a step back. Uh, the season. So I'll let Trigar go first. Give us uh, your riser for 2022. My riser is the Baltimore Ravens, and they are my sleeper team heading into next year. Look, let's look at the AFC real quick. The Bills, I've said it before, they are the favorites, um, and I think they deserve to be called the favorites. The Bengals, they're coming off a Super Bowl appearance. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. But I think the Baltimore Ravens really belong in the mix as a legit championship contender because we look at last year. I mean, Baltimore was ravaged by injuries. Before the season began, the Ravens lost J.K. Dobbins in a preseason game before Marcus Peters and Gus Edwards went down on back-to-back plays in practice, all with season-ending torn ACLs. And then in December, Lamar Jackson and Marlon Humphrey went down and missed the final month of the season with ankle and pec injuries, respectively. There was also a season-ending injury to Ronnie Stanley after only one game. That's a lot. 
with all their stars back and a good free agency behind them, I think the Ravens are going to be a problem because even with those injuries, Baltimore was seven and two and the one seed in the AFC after 10 weeks, then it came crashing down mainly because of one point losses to the Steelers and Packers. So there's plenty of contenders in the AFC, but don't sleep on Baltimore. I think this team can really make some noise next year. Yeah, and the word for most obvious pick goes to no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I honestly got Baltimore winning the division next year, and uh, yeah, so to kind of quote it, re-emphasize it. They were eight and three, and then they lost their final six because you know obviously some of it was on Lamar, but then he got hurt, uh, and he got hurt down 10-0. I had a TikTok guy go back and forth with me on it. It was ten nothing in the game that he got hurt in. Uh, but you know, besides the point, like. The Ravens had 22 players on IR throughout the year. It was like second most to the Titans. Um, and despite all that, they were they were still, you know, trooping down. And again, one seed in the AFC through, I think, 11 or 12 weeks. Um, and for, you know, a team coming back with Lamar Jackson, they had a good free agency. Again, Marcus Peters, as you said, comes back. J.K. Dobbins comes back. Um, and they're they're just going to I mean, all their young guys are getting a year older, getting a year of experience. Uh, this team is definitely one that I can see that goes from worst to first in the AFC North, which I honestly have projected. Um, yeah, I mean, teams should still fear this team. Again, John Harbaugh always got something up his sleeve. And I think the Ravens are a team that you just can't mess with. For sure. Uh, and then for my riser, I'm going to go with an NFC team, another purple uh, little colored team, the Minnesota Vikings. I know I said this last year. <laughs> uh, it didn't. It didn't really work in my favor because they had six one possession losses and one was on a final play to Jared Goff. Um, but you know what? Minnesota just always seems that way. They're always getting in their own way. Uh, but again, this is a team that's three three and one versus uh, the Vikings in the last eight matchup. Wait, no, seven matchups three three one. So it's not like this team isn't good, and not to mention Kevin O'Connell is finally an offensive coach for a team that is way more talented on offense. So I think this team is definitely could go from honestly from obviously like you know second or third in the division to winning it next year. I think with an offensive staff, the playmakers that they have, like sky's the limit for this team and. Let's let's talk about right the defensive keys that they've added. Zadarius Smith, right, the pickup, and mm-hmm. I think they'll get a DB in the draft. Uh, so you know, I, I think for the Vikings, I, I don't know if they'll win the division, but the Packers really aren't looking too hot right now. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think the big problem in Minnesota, as you touched on, it was a coaching and culture, you know, problem for the most part. Obviously. Anish keeps referencing back to uh, the Dalvin Cook when when he had the a stiff, stiff arm, arm yeah. and the bench didn't even big, react. Big and I agree. I mean, it was it was under Mike Zimmer, there was just a different sort of culture going on. And uh, Kevin O'Connell should help that, and he should also bring a better offensive philosophy to this team. It's going to be cool to see what he does with uh, Justin Jefferson, with Dalvin Cook, with all the weapons on that team. What he does with Kirk, um, because obviously Kirk had you know a pretty efficient year last year. You know, he was looking like. Some people would say a dark horse MVP candidate in the early part of the year. Obviously that never really panned out, but it'll be interesting to see what O'Connell does here. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Vikings are definitely a team to watch for. Also, like, let's not like act like Kirk isn't as talented as Matthew Stafford. Like, sure, he doesn't have the arm, but 
I mean, once upon a time, people consider them in the same class for the last three years. So, and Kirk just came off a 33 touchdown, seven interception season. And guys had a bunch of 4,000 yard passing years. So it's not like the dude can't play. Uh, and I think O'Connell will definitely help out with that. Uh, hopefully, you know, they can get better interior O-line. They finally got rid of Dakota Dozier. All my Vikings fans out there, I sympathize with you. That guy was rough. It was rough having that guy there. Uh, but he's gone now. He's to Chicago, which is really funny to me because uh, the comments on all the posts were just Vikings fans slandering the living hell out of him. But, yeah, I think the Vikings will do better this year. Hopefully, maybe you know, win the NFC uh, and take it away from the three-time champions, the Packers, in the last three years. Uh, But, yeah, we'll switch it over a little bit. You know, I hate going negative with football. I hate, you know, trying to demean any teams or players. But we do have to give a faller, uh, and I'm going to start. It's going to be the New England Patriots for me. And I really hate saying that just because I am one of the biggest Bill Belichick supporters. I've watched loads and loads of NFL film documentaries on him. But let's be real here. What the hell did they do in free agency, right? You have all this cap space. Mac is still on a rookie deal, right? And I don't know what I'm going to get from him in the next few years, but he at least has shown some form of potential, right? The Pats were the number one seed in the AFC for two weeks. So it's not like this team wasn't doing anything. And their AFC's counterparts, the Bills got better with Von Miller. The Dolphins got better with Tyreek Hill and Teron Armstead. And honestly, I see this team finishing third in the division. I I really think the Dolphins just have more playmakers. I I think it comes down to that at this stage uh, in the NFL right now. And the Pats just don't have enough playmakers to keep up on offense. They've been winning these, you know, low scoring games, right? And it's going to catch up to them. I just don't fear them. It's never right now. I I actually kind of agree. I think it's somewhat close between the Dolphins and Pats because I can never really count out Bill Belichick in that manner. But, oh, my goodness, I've never been really high on Mac Jones. I remember everyone on in the media was comparing him to the next Tom Brady. Like, come on now. Come on now. Like, it's a good splash of reality now that no one's really talking about Mac Jones as the next Tom Brady. But I just I just don't think the, the Patriots have, you know, near enough at quarterback to really compete, especially in this conference. You could even argue within the division. I mean, I feel like Josh Allen will always have Mac Jones' number. So, I'm not really sure what to expect from the Patriots. I just think, you know, they're very middle of the pack in that conference. Uh, But who knows what Bill Belichick has up his sleeve? I I really don't know. Um, My faller is last year's number one seed in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans. And this is partly due to how much better I think the division has gotten, the AFC South. The Colts are my pick to win the division, and the Titans do have an argument there. I'm going to admit that, but I think Matt Ryan is better than Ryan Tannehill. The Colts have a really solid defense, a great offensive line. Um, They're my pick. I think the Jaguars will also be marginally better under Doug Peterson. The Texans, you know, they can potentially hang in games and compete, especially divisional tilts. Uh, We saw in Week 18 last year, you know, Davis Mills really hung in with that Titans team. So, But back to the Titans. I know people don't generally bring this up because, you know, it's tough to doubt Derrick Henry and what he's done to this point in his career. But how long can he really hold up with the amount of carries he gets on a yearly and even weekly basis? We saw it take a toll on him last year with him missing nearly half the season before returning in the divisional. The pass rush should hopefully pick up where they left off in the playoffs. But look, I just don't see this Titans team repeating the success they had last year especially which is how much better the division and the conference got. They're just that odd team out for me. So I, they're my follower. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, like 
Also, you know, as great as Derrick Henry is, we've seen him really, you know, wet the bed in playoff games. Like, he just hasn't performed to expectations. Uh, The Chiefs game, the Ravens game in 2020, and then now the Bengals game in 2021. Look, that's not, we're not saying the Titans for sure will make the playoffs because Mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches out there. It's just you got to look at the competition getting better. I completely agree. I think Jacksonville will be way better. Uh, Colts are also my pick. Uh, I'm going to slow your roll there on Matt Ryan being for sure better than Ryan Tannehill. As much as I, I love both better. of those guys, I still you know got to ride with Tanny a little bit on it. I think they're in that same tier. But it's just, you know, for the Titans, how much how, how can you keep this going, right? Like, I, I just don't think you have enough to, you know, you usurp to use a cool word usurp the top teams in the afc i just don't consider them one like i did last year uh and it's it's not an indictment on anyone on the staff or on the team it's just really the afc teams getting better and i just i just see them kind of dipping it's gonna be really hard for them to repeat as a one seed next year and i don't think they have as good of a divisional record as they did last year i think they swept every i think they went six and oh yep uh, swept so, the cold swept the jags swept the Texans. yep yeah, so it's not gonna be that I don't way. see them going six and zero in the division this year. So I, I mean, I guess yeah, that that qualifies them as a faller. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to kind of wrap this episode up, uh, you know, there's gonna be lots more to talk about. I'm sure. Again, probably another crazy trade that's just gonna watch Mayfield or Jimmy G get traded tomorrow. That would, that would be the most it. unsurprising thing of all time. I, I'd be like, all right, yeah, you know what? All right, great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, if you guys, you know, stuck with stuck by this long, we appreciate all your guys' support. Let us know in the comments what topics we should cover, maybe any rankings you guys want us to do. I did a top 10 quarterback ranking on the pod. And yes, I forgot Matthew Stafford, whoever's going to say something about that. My bad. Um, But yeah, if you guys want any rankings, you know, let us know. Uh, We got a couple of, you know, scouting videos on the way before draft season. We've got a month left. So some draft should be coming soon as well. Yeah, so we gotta gotta step up on that. That's that's on me. My bad. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for watching. We've been the Cold Our Truth NFL Podcast, and we will see you next time.